0: Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. It looks like we are back, back by popular demand. I know so many people are wanting to to see what we had next Uh, when it came to uh, the study of the Bible. uh, It has been determined that we'll be looking at Philippians. So the letter that uh, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi will be our next uh, letter or book that we'll go through for here in the Bible. It's, it's a pretty short one, especially compared to some of the other stuff we've done when it was in uh, Revelation and, uh, oh wow, uh, Acts even uh, was pretty decent and Daniel was in good length as well. But so Philippi- uh, Philippians will be actually relatively uh, short when it all comes to that, probably only about four to five weeks as we go through the entire book. Uh, and I think it's going to be quite an experience. It, it really uh, helps us be able to, be able to uh, better understand the context in which a lot of uh, what Paul was writing about, uh, the, the world in which Paul lived in. And that's a, a lot of where we'll be coming from is from uh, that c- historical context of Paul as we go through this. Because a lot of times we like to look at uh, Paul's letters and try to take a plain text reading and apply them directly to our lives today. And that was not Paul's intent. I remember Paul was writing to a specific group of people at a specific group of time that had uh, a lot of description and prescription for the church, but not necessarily always prescription uh, for us. Though, th- as we all know, there are, there are principles and ideas that we can take from that. But plain text readings is not one of those. As we go through this, but before we enter, so before we really start digging into the chapters and the verses and everything, uh, we're going to do what today is for the most part an introduction uh, to the letter of, of to the Philippians, and it, it, in my opinion, it provides a good uh, historical and cultural context uh, to the time in that it was written, and we'll dig into that what, what Philippi was like. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that more as we go through from, from verse to verse, as we like to do. And of course, what Paul was up to when he was doing it. And so when you do that, when you look at the cultural and historical context of a letter like this, excuse me, one thing you have to always think about it, it's, it's a one-way uh, message at this point. It, we, don't, we don't get a reply back from the church Uh, All we see is Paul writing based on a response, uh, based on his response to information that he knows about that's going on in Philippi. We do not get a response or even hear what information he was exactly told that was going on. Now, we can put together clues and uh, context and uh, come up with our our very well-educated ideas of what uh, he is responding to and referring to, uh, but no one ever really tells us. So you have to look at this. So what this does allow though, is allows us to open up probably multiple dimensions and perspectives uh, that we typically would not consider if we were just to go into Philippians and start start reading it without actually uh, knowing or having an idea of what Paul was doing with. <clears throat> so that's how we will be looking at this as we, as we go forward. It'll be, I think, in my opinion, it'll be very exciting because. I just love this sort of thing. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to first look just at the city of Philippi. It, it was named uh, by, by Philip II of Macedon, uh, so Macedonian. Uh, he was the father of Alexander the Great. And I would encourage you to go back to read Daniel and some of the Old Testament works uh, to be able to see exactly who Alexander the Great was and his, his role in shaping uh, that part of the world. Uh, during that time. So, as any good, uh, so we're referring back to Philip II, as any good leader or king would do, uh, he of course named a city after himself. Uh, he built up walls around the city inside of fortification against a group of people who did not like him, the Thracians and so he was trying to keep them at bay, and so he fortified uh, Philippi because just to based on my understanding of where it was, it was a little bit higher ground, they were able to fortify it pretty well and keep the people in there pretty safe. So Philip took over that city about 356 uh, BC. He recognized that there was a, uh, also he, that there was abundance of gold in the area, uh, so he spent a good amount of time uh, mining that gold, and as you can imagine, uh, made a pretty decent amount of money Uh, for himself and for his kingdom. Unfortunately it did not last a very long time, long enough for him of course. Uh, So he did use his wealth of course his wealth of gold to convince uh, the surrounding Greek communities uh, to for the most part turn on their own countries and to betray their countries. Uh, He would work with uh, mercenaries and other uh, people of ill repute and uh, have them kind of turn on whoever he wanted them because he would just pay them uh, incredible amounts of money. So the city itself came under uh, Roman rule or Roman authority during the middle of the 2nd century uh, B.C. At the, for the most part, it was at the end of the Third Macedonian War, which was in about eight, six, 168 B.C. Uh, just a little bit more information about Philippi. It was a strategic outpost for the Romans. Uh, it was, was on the what they refer to as the Via Ignatia, which was a, uh, a major Roman road that ran, my understanding from the Adriatic to the Aegean Sea. and it was a place, of course, for easy access for people in and out and also allowed it to be it become a pretty relatively, uh, I guess i would say, influential city. Uh, Near Philippi in about 42 BC was a battle that allowed the victor of Mark Anthony and Octavian, who would be the future Emperor Augustus. Uh, They had a a fun battle and victory over uh, Brutus and Cassius. Those are the two who assassinated Julius Caesar. So if you know anything about that, you've probably heard of those names before. Uh, Remember that Roman colonies uh, were ruled under Roman law. Not, Not all colonies were. Were ruled uh, that way, and so, but they're ruled under Roman law, Roman constitution, city constitution for Roman cities, and for the most part, modeled under the uh, municipal constitution of Rome, which was actually for many people uh, pretty good, especially for the people of Philippi, uh, who was a, 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 which Philippi, of course, was a major city outside of Italy, uh, which allowed them to be under the. I guess you could even say the pleasure uh, of being under the Roman constitution, uh, which again gave them some privileges that people who were not, uh, who were under Roman rule but not underneath that constitution did not have. And so this was actually a, a pretty good deal for those, those folks in Philippi. Uh, one thing that we also learned is that it was a military outpost, uh, especially when uh, Rome was in charge. And it seemed like after several of the battles in that area, a lot of the Roman soldiers would go and retire there at Philippi, and, uh, and it pretty much would allow, as you can imagine, Roman soldiers were full of Roman pride, and so the side, the city itself, uh, had a lot of its own Roman pride, and uh, people were really just very patriotic, I guess is a good way to say, uh, towards Rome there in Philippi. Uh, it turned it into an unofficial uh, Roman colony, I mean unofficial, as in it was not in Italy, and unofficial as in it wasn't necessarily ruled by Romans, but it was had the Roman uh, constitution there, as I said. Uh, this led to, uh, for those who are not Romans, so those who were either traveling through or ended up migrating there or immigrating there, uh, were actually uh, able to live underneath a, a actually relatively uh, peaceful Roman rule. It, you could act as if or say as if uh, they were they could, be, they could pretend, I guess, uh, that they were living in the motherland, Italy. <clears throat> Philippi, unfortunately, now is, is only in, is in ruins. Uh, it was, as we know, it's in, it's in northern Greece, uh, near the border of Macedonia and southern Thrace. Its decline be- began probably around the 7th century uh, B.C., where its population diminished. Uh, and it, for the most part, became a small agrarian community. Uh, if you've ever traveled uh, close uh, to that area, uh, it's referred to as um, today, I guess, the city or the name of the town or that area is Kavala. And so you may have be familiar with it. Uh, it's also known as or was known at one point as Neapolis, and it is about ten miles southeast of Philippi on the Aegean coast. So if you recall, going back to I believe it's Acts in the 16 chapter 16 range, uh, Paul is traveling uh, to Philippi, and they end up going, of course, into um, Neapolis, which is, of course, there, that port city, and then, of course, traveling an additional 10 miles inland uh, to go to uh, Philippi. So a little bit about Paul, uh, because he's the guy who wrote it, and it's good to know. Uh, Paul most likely arrived uh, in the middle of the first century AD. At that time, it was referred to as as we like to say, Colonia Lulia Augusta Philippinus. So, yeah, I think Philippi is probably just a better way to, to refer to it as, but those Romans, they, they like to have their, their fancy Roman-like names. Uh, like I said, it was a productive Roman colony whenever Paul showed up, uh, but it really did not become a larger city until the following century, and I believe that's when Polycarp was there, and he, he reported some pretty good things we'll talk about here in a second related to Paul's letters in the Philippi church, the church in Philippi. Uh, we know during Paul's time there was a population uh, that was mainly Greek, Romans, uh, Thracians, and even there were a few Jews based on, again, we'll learn about, uh, who is that? Lydia and, and the women there in, in Philippi. Most likely they would estimate there were probably about 15,000 people there in that city whenever Paul arrived, which you know, of course, decent sized city. Uh, as most cities in that region at that time, there was a smorgasbord of of religions uh, for people to pick from. Uh, one, of course, being Jewish. Uh, but they also, of course, there's a lot of influence from Greek and Roman gods, uh, Greek Olympians. Uh, there, were, of course, local gods. Every town had its kind of own, uh, I guess, <clears throat> group of of local gods. Uh, there are also gods from Asia Minor and Egypt. And being a the city on the the road in which it was. Uh, on it it allowed a lot of people from different parts of the world at that time to travel through and of course brought their influence into the city uh, as they would travel through <clears throat> uh the imperial cult, so if you 're familiar with that, especially if you 've gone through revelation, the imperial cult is the the Roman emperor cult so the as we know the Roman emperor uh believed that or many of them believed, I'm not sure if they all did, but many of the ones we read about believed that they were divine. And of course, if you're divine, you have priests who help people worship you. And so the imperial cult also had a significant influence there in Rome, I'm sorry, in Philippi as well. And so that was all part of the fun. And you could probably argue that the imperial cult, especially with the Roman soldiers there, was probably the, the more prominent religion of that city. Uh, and, and again, in that region, it was a very, very powerful cult. And the other ones were probably all kind of secondary uh, to to the imperial cult. And so think about that. As we think through this, we can think what, with the letter that Paul, that we'll be going through that Paul sends to them, as well as the letter that he sends to the church in Ephesus and Corinth. Uh, what he's dealing with is he's not dealing with just uh, people who were once Jewish and possibly becoming Christians or people who had no other sort of religious background or spiritual background now becoming now becoming spiritual but becoming spiritual as Christians. No, we're dealing with people who are who have a lot of influence uh, from a lot of different what we, we what we would refer to as pagan religions uh, now coming in and he's trying to help them navigate that. And again, we'll get a whole lot deeper into that as we as we go through that. But yeah, I think that tension is always there in the background. Just like we have other influences in our life that's beyond a a Christian or Messianic influence. They certainly did as well. So, of course, that will be a, a key topic. Uh, a little bit about the, uh, the church in Philippi. Uh, there's a lot of discussion regarding the start of the church there in that city. Uh, our best place to probably start is Luke's account uh, in Acts chapter 16, where Paul makes his uh, journey to Philippi. We believe this to be his second, uh, second missionary journey that he takes uh, along the way. As we know, Paul had a vision that he must go to Macedonia, which, of course, Macedonia is the region in which Philippi existed. Uh, and I would encourage you uh, to go and read and study Acts 16 and surrounding verse, chapters to be able to really get a full story of this trip that Paul was on as he travels to, uh, to Philippi. So, Acts travels to and stays in and then eventually, of course, leaves Philippi. So go go read Acts 16. Like I said, we, we actually did a study on Acts a couple months ago. You can find it out there on our YouTube, the Woodridge, Woodridge Baptist Church's YouTube channel, and you'll be able to get a good insight into that. Like I said, this was probably during uh, Paul's second missionary journey. So we're dealing probably the late 60s AD, most likely some would say uh, 58 A.D. or A.D. 58, which is right after he had left Ephesus, uh, Paul meets Lydia there, and uh, and which helps, of course, begin the church uh, in Philippi. We we learn more about Lydia from Acts 16 and surrounding chapters, but we also learn about a little bit about Lydia here. We know that she is a a God fearing Gentile woman, so she is she is not Jewish. Uh, one, one thing to keep in mind is that when Paul went into these cities, uh, he would typically go to the synagogues. If you, as you, again, point back to Acts again. If you read through Acts, you'll notice that any time he went into a city, he went into a synagogue and started teaching the folks in the synagogue about who Jesus was. And eventually, they'd either run him out of town or kind of listen to him and then run him out of town. But it, it never really went super well for him. But he continued to go into the synagogues as he went from. City to city. It, it seems like uh, there wasn't a large enough uh, Jewish population possibly in Philippi for them to have a synagogue. And so he didn't he didn't go there first. It seems like most likely there is a, a makeshift uh, synagogue or gathering of Jewish people, mainly of women, uh, over by the, a, a river that was just adjacent to Philippi. And that's where they would meet. And that's where Paul went to go meet with them. And that helped start the church there in Philippi. And Lydia was a big part of it. <clears throat> Lydia, of course, is maybe not her real name because Lydia actually is from Lydia. Uh, her, her name, which means Lydian woman. So again, go back and read Acts, get a little more context on that. So, but we do know that a woman did exist there in Philippi. She did meet with Paul. She, she had a huge um, <clears throat> part in creating uh, the church there in Philippi. And most likely was one of the leaders of that church uh, whenever it started after or before she actually left uh, and went back to her home country. So she was seemingly, someone actually would say that she was probably Paul's first convert in Europe. Uh, So remember, he has left... Asia at this point and is in Europe and so some people would say or what we'd refer to as modern day Europe and so that's what they would say is that she was possibly the first convert uh, there in Europe <clears throat> after Lydia of course you know that we'll meet a, a girl uh, who's referred to as the the, Pyth- the, the girl with the, the evil spirit or the pythonic spirit we'll get more into that she follows Paul and her his buddies around Uh, Philippi claiming them to be the servants of the God, God of the most high, uh, Paul did not need or want this attention. So he eventually calls the evil spirit out of the girl, which the owners of the slave girl, of course, are not too super happy with, with this because of course they make a lot of revenue. And now Paul has taken away their revenue stream again, good acts a lot more detail in that. But again, that all happens in, in Philippi and it all has kind of a reflection on the letter that he writes to, uh, the Philippian church so as, as you can imagine, uh, as he's as they're first of all making converts, but also secondly, uh, removing evil spirits and then thus removing people's revenue, uh, they were not uh, super popular with the general population there in in Philippi. And it, of course, became a bit more dangerous. The good news for them, and again, you'll see this in Acts, and you'll see this in some of his other letters, especially the one in Romans, uh, the, the letter to Rome that was brought by uh, Phoebe and taught by Phoebe uh, to Rome they were Roman citizens and so Roman citizens had a lot of protection and uh, from just getting beat up or thrown into jail without a, a, a certain trial so again that also allowed them to have besides just not getting beat up and thrown in prison regularly which they did but there was some trials eventually uh, is that they had more freedom to kind of move around and uh, they were more than just some Jewish guys showing up and causing problems, which some people just said they were, but they were actually Jewish guys causing problems, but who were actually also Roman citizens. So that added a whole other level of dimension to it. So that's, that's all we really have time now for uh, uh, Paul's trip uh, to Philippi. We'll, We'll of course dig into that a little bit deeper as we go through the verses, but and it, it, it'll be, I think, again, I, I go back to Acts. It maybe sounds like I'm repeating things, and I am, and because it's important that you know what else is going on. You can't just read Philippians on its own and say, oh, we know everything about what happened there. You need to read some of the other uh, books of the New Testament and some of Paul's other letters uh, to be able to really get a full picture of what's going on here and the way he traveled. Uh, now a little bit about the letter. Uh, we're going to hit a whole lot more detail into some of this as we go to do the verse-by-verse verse exegesis, but uh, we'll, we'll, of course I wanted to cover just some of the ideas and concepts and thoughts and themes uh, behind uh, the letter before we get too far along. Uh, it seems to be written by Paul uh, with the help of Timothy. Most likely Timothy could have been his his secretary. doesn't have to be, but that's how some people have looked at that. Uh, it doesn't ne- doesn't even necessarily have to be written by Paul, it could have been somebody who was a follower of Paul, or someone who was a scribe, or again, like a secretary of Paul who was who wrote down this kind of like what Luke did uh, when you read Acts. Uh, but I, I think he truly did read it. He truly did write this letter, and I believe he did it from Rome, even though there's some debate from that. <clears throat> uh, some would argue that this was one of many letters that Paul wrote uh, to to the church in Philippi. Uh, Polycarp, who is the bishop of Smyrna, who is again there around in the early second century, alluded to in his own letters to Philippi that Paul had written uh, multiple letters to them. And most likely what, it, what happened is we end up with one of them. Now, some people say that uh, there could be many letters and this Philippians letter that we get, it could be a combination of some of those. Uh, there's again, uh, people with PhDs have a lot of debate about this. And I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the idea based on the resources that I've read and some of the commentaries I've read that this is a, this is a single letter, but some people would say that, uh, in chapter three of this letter, it seems that there may be an additional letter being brought in or edited in later on. Uh, but let's stick with this just being one single letter. Uh, and the reason that just because I know you guys want to know the Greek, uh, the, the reason that. We think that is, or think that it could be multiple letters uh, that Paul wrote beyond just this one letter, not that they're all combined, we've already settled that, but that there are uh, multiple letters that letters that Paul wrote is the usage of epistoli uh, that Polycarp used when he was writing his own letter. So epistoli, as you can see, is, is multiple, uh, more than one. And I think that's what he thought. And so it, if it is a, why not, why they weren't putting the, the, uh, the canon, we don't know, but uh, maybe they were just lost along the way, and this is the only one they were able to, to keep. Anyways, so what we're seeing here so, most likely, Paul was writing from a prison, just based on what you kind of see from some of the context in the early verses. Uh, very possibly writing from Rome, which we put it around 62 AD or AD 62. Uh, some would argue he was in Ephesus around AD 55, or Caesarea uh, in AD 58, which is before he would make his his way to Philippi. Uh, we know that Paul had been imprisoned in Caesarea. Uh, of course, that reference can be seen more in in the Book of Acts. But his intro here here refers to much more, uh, too much to, to Caesar in a the appealing to Caesar uh, to make it seem like that could be the place. There's also little to no evidence uh, that he was ever in prison in Ephesus. I mean, he got in a lot of trouble in Ephesus and he was under uh, Roman guard in Ephesus, but never really in prison. Not ever really. He just wasn't in prison in Ephesus that we have access or evidence to. And we know that again, like he was under the protection of the guards because of what he did related to uh, the pagan goddess Artemis. Uh, that, that whole exchange But again, go to the book of Ephesians and then of course back to Acts and you'll be able to see more on that. But again, just the way the wording is there in that letter, uh, it doesn't seem like he was imprisoned the way how this is being written. <clears throat> so we're going to stick with Rome. I will you can stick you can, of course, do more research, look into those other options. I encourage you to do that, but based on what I know, uh, we'll, we'll stick with Rome. And as he was, we know he was there for about, about two years. Um, and it wouldn't have been a hard trip uh, to, to have a letter written in Rome and taken to uh, Philippi. It'd probably be about a three-week journey. To us that may seem nuts, uh, but to them it probably wouldn't have been a huge issue. A little more about the letter. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to help set up, set up uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus uh, to help smooth the way for them. They were to be some of the leaders there in the church in Philippi. Uh, any criticism or issues uh, related to be, uh, were to be removed about them uh, so that they could do their ministry uh, with any sort of church, as we know, or with a lot of many ministries, especially with uh People coming in and out of the city, sometimes uh, rumors get started, Uh, sometimes lies begin, and uh, criticisms start because maybe they disagree with something that Epaphroditus or Timothy or Paul said, and so of course people take sides. And so Paul is trying to keep that uh, from happening. Uh, Paul also wants to show appreciation for the gift that the Philippians had given them. There's, uh, I believe, there's multiple times that the Philippians had sent him a monetary gift, and his, so he wanted to show his uh, <clears throat> gratitude uh, to the, the church in Philippi for what they have done. Uh, as we go on, Epaphroditus not only so he was he seemingly was the the messenger uh, between Philippi and. In Rome. So we know that he not only took the the monetary gift to Paul, but he also took some news to Paul as well about what was going on in the Philippi church. And mainly at that point, it was the understanding of disunity uh, within the church. And we can pick that up from what we read whenever we start digging through uh, the verses uh, in in the letter to the Philippians. Uh, In his letter back to uh, Philippi, uh, again, Epaphroditus bringing that back after taking the news to. Paul, now he brings it back. Uh, Paul alludes to the persecution that was going on in the church at the time. Uh, they were in a place that persecuted them, but that was a place uh, where they were to stay. That was the place to where they were to be uh, to be the light. And we know, and based on what we know currently, is that where a church, the church is persecuted is where it becomes the strongest. And when a church is, is not facing challenges or even some persecution, it becomes uh, complacent. And which is, I think, what we see sometimes here in the West. But like if you looked at the gro- church growth in a place like China, where not even the Christian religion is allowed, that, ch- that church is growing exponentially. Uh, so there's that sort of thing going on here. And that's what Paul's encouraging him to do, is that, yeah, you're getting beat up on right now, but this is where you need to be as the light to the world. So you will see as we read through uh, the letter that uh, he will tell them to, to stand firm or to stand fast and to to not back down and to, to to be the people of God that he was they were called to be. Excuse me. Uh, there's evidence throughout the letter, especially in the early sections. Now, Paul looked to the church in Philippi as as partners, partners in ministry. Uh, He had had a deep affection for them and considered them to be uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, As we know, Lydia was one of the first leaders of that church there in Philippi. Many others were there, uh, of course, including Timothy and and Paphroditus. Other folks we would meet along the way. And what we can see from this is that Paul had an ongoing encouraging relationship uh, with this church Uh, on multiple, like I said, on multiple occasions, they sent gifts to Paul, not only when he was in prison in Rome, uh, but I believe when he was in Corinth and when he was in Thessalonica, uh, they sent gifts to him as well as he was traveling on his other missionary journeys. Now, we know that Paul did what he could as a tent maker or someone who works with leather goods to, to, to make his own living, and he, he makes a point of that in some of his other letters. Uh, but at the same time, uh, just as any um, bivocational minister as he was, it sometimes was good for him to have additional funding from the Philippian church to help him continue his ministry. <clears throat> what we know from Philippi is that over time, uh, the, the city itself actually, uh, before of course its fall, it became a pilgrimage site for, for Christians. And, and most likely, uh, the first basilica uh, in the Balkans was in Philippi, and it was probably built around the 4th century uh, AD. <clears throat> let's, let's look at a couple themes uh, here's, and for the most part, that'll be it. And we'll be done with the the intro and then jump into the first chapter. Uh, most likely not next week, but the following week after after Thanksgiving. So there's a theme or two that I wanted to bring up. As we know, most likely Paul's in prison, most likely in Rome. But yet he is joyful in his suffering. He rejoices, or better said, he yeah he, he rejoices in his suffering he, this is joy or this rejoicing comes uh, not from paul but from paul knowing uh, that god is the central is that god is central to his life is what he knows from this uh, that the, the people of philippi are to rejoice in their own suffering as they suffer under uh, Roman rule and the oppression. You know, I said that it was okay, it wasn't horrible to be a Roman colony, but there was still Roman oppression because Pax Romana was all about if you step out of line, we'll hurt you, kill you, and destroy your family. Uh, that's that's how the peace kept, was kept. And so it was peaceful to a point as long as everyone marched to the same beat. But as soon as you take a step out of line... Uh, Bad things happen. Uh, besides the oppression, uh, that there was a concern of a non-Christian influence or opposition to the congregation. Like I said, again, there was a large uh, pagan population there. Of course, a large pagan influence. We call it pagan. It sounds really negative. I mean, they, these people weren't like bad people. They just didn't know who, who who the Messiah was. And so that was the point of the Philippi, the church in Philippi, is to help these people, or, or is to 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 be people of God, so other people would want to be part of. Uh, the church to to see that this is this love this unity uh, that they have, uh, so they weren't going around berating and and beating up on these these other pagan uh, religions or people who followed it. And, and I mean, there there were some altercations we do know that, but it, it was more about they were they were missionaries in their in their own land, and trying to trying to serve the people in which they lived, amongst which is what we're supposed to do. As well, that's one thing you can take from this letter. It's is that we are to be the people of the light amongst uh, the darkness of this world. Uh, there are other issues that Paul deals with as he talks through uh, this letter, or writes this letter, and that's with uh, traveling missionaries or traveling preachers. Uh, they didn't call them that back then, but there were people who would come and try to teach, uh, teach, teach the Bible or what we call the Bible, but teach Scripture. Uh, teach the rules of the road the Torah uh, teach uh, some of the teachings of Jesus but they would not do it uh, in a way they, they would they would they would take away from what Paul was saying and add their own or they would uh, mess it up in a way that would would mislead people. There, there were many back then and continue to this day, uh, they were not doing it to spread the gospel. They were using the gospel uh, to benefit themselves and typically in a monetary way. And so uh, Paul is helping them uh, avoid that. Uh, through this, he offers models of, of believers and one of them being Lydia, another being Timothy, Epaphroditus, uh, of course, and himself. Jesus, of course, a great model, uh, but he's showing those models in this letter as well. Uh, there's also the moral component to, tied to the mind of, of Christ that we see throughout the theme of this letter uh, that they must be aware of there. There's to be in communion with each other and with Christ, and it's to be a communion that is intimate and transformative. So the reason for remaining in Philippi as that church and for growing that church in Philippi uh, is not for their own power, but to transform that city into a city of believers. And again, to this day is, is our call as well as to transform, or not we can't transform, but to help people transform into believers and followers of Christ. All right, that's all we're going to do today for the uh, the introduction. And next time we, we do this, it's going to be chapter 1. And I, I know we're not going to go through the first whole chapter because I'm going to try to keep these shorter uh, as we go forward, uh, probably half hour. Or so I, I used to do them like, and they were like an hour and 15 minutes. And for some reason, people don't want to listen for an hour. I don't get it. Anyway, so anyways, we're going to go to probably closer to shorter formats and, and cover the uh, same amount of material, but we'll just spread it out over, over time. And that way, they're kind of in shorter bits and more, I guess, digestible. Pieces of information. So that's all we have today. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you later. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.